My name is Dominic. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastor elders here. Uh, here's the question I would like to start off asking. What would Ventura County look like if Jesus were king? And what should the church look like since he is king? Today, we are starting a new series, as Chad just said. It's called Kingdom Come. Um, if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that we just finished the book of Ephesians, and we had like a, a two-part thing happening in Ephesians, Kingdom Kids and then Kingdom Family. We, we started off talking about Kingdom Kids because several years ago when we became an autonomous church and the pastors were like, man, what are we going to preach? It's our first opportunity to to have to like curate a, a sermon series or choose a book of the Bible to teach through. And we were like, gosh, there is such a deep need to understand our Christian identity because everything we do flows out of who we are, right? And so who we are is kids first in the kingdom. We are children first. And so we took the first half of Ephesians over a year to talk about our identity as sons and daughters, but we don't just live in isolation. We are kingdom kids in a kingdom family, right? We were created for community. And that's the way that God intended it for us to encourage one another and, and do life together and all of that. And so we were like, perfect. The second half of Ephesians uh, speaks into that kingdom family thing uh, better than almost anywhere else in the Bible. And so we were like, let's teach through the book of Ephesians. And But we can't just stay insular, right? We can't just like be kingdom kids in a kingdom family, in our little kingdom community inside without going out into the world and affecting the world around us. And so um, we are starting this new series called Kingdom Come. We were created and saved to not just have this thing here, but like to have it moving through us. And for the next 11 weeks, we're going to explore together what it would look like, what it does look like when God's kingdom comes through his kingdom people. And there's no greater book for us to do that in in the Bible than for us to find it in the book of Acts. So if you would open up your Bibles to the book of Acts, if you got some kind of technology, pull it out, grab your Bible app, open it up to the book of Acts. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. If you do have a Bible, please bring it to church. Book of Acts records the earliest history of the church, right? It records what it looked like for the kingdom to come in and through God's people and where the church's crazy supernatural power came from. The book of Acts is like a, a guide for what it looks like to have kingdom people with kingdom power living out their kingdom purpose. And together we will discover how the early church engaged with the world around them. What were their practices? What were their rhythms? What did they uh, commit to? What were their priorities? We'll also see how they faced insane obstacles and op opposition and how they did it with profound joy, grace, love, and faith. And through the book of Acts, then, we will discover Reality Ventura, what it looks like for us, young and old, to live under the kingship of Jesus, joining with him in him, in him bringing his kingdom in our context, just like it is in heaven. What would Ventura County look like if Jesus were king? And what should the church look like because he is 
king. This is what we're going to discover together through the book of Acts. We won't cover every single chapter and verse, but we are starting today in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. We will be reading and preaching through this series from the NIV, the New uh, International Version. Acts 1, starting in verse 1. Luke, the apostle writing, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. He's referring to the gospel of Luke. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he, Jesus, had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, angels. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Church, this is the word of God for us today. Would you pray with me? <laughs> Thanks, Noah. Thank you for the way that you have adopted us as children. Thank you that you have not left us in isolation by ourselves. You've given us kingdom family. Thank you that it is your desire to bring your kingdom in and through our lives. Thank you for the way that we see it happen with the early church. We ask that as we study this book and as we study this passage today, that you would open our hearts and lives today to see the way that you have worked and are working and that you would give us grace to desire to join in with that. We ask you to open our ears now to speak whatever you want to speak to us. Thank you for every single person here and those gathered online at home today. For the person who's far from you, we ask that you would draw them by your love today. For the person who just doesn't even know you in any kind of personal way, we ask that you would reveal yourself to them and you would bring salvation to them today. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples and it says that over a period of 40 days, he spoke to them about the kingdom of God and about the spirit of God. As we start this kingdom come series, I wanna first answer three really brief questions about the kingdom. What is it? Where is it? And when is it? First of all, what is the kingdom of God? To take a page out of Jeremy Treat's book, literally, the kingdom of God is God's reign through God's people over God's place. 
First of all, it is God's reign. We need to acknowledge that he is the king. This isn't about our agenda or our ideas. And we can't just show up and bring kingdom principles and expect the kingdom of God to also show up with us. There is no kingdom without the king being present. We discover the king, that kingdom people in the book of Acts are not uh, just staying in a place and the kingdom is not manifesting in a place, but it is like moving through the king into places. Wherever the king is, our second question here, where is the kingdom of God? Wherever the king is, that is where his kingdom is. I've heard a lot of descriptions about the kingdom of God. My favorite one from some uh, Bible college teacher 20 years ago, he said, the kingdom of God is wherever King Jesus is reigning. Where is the kingdom of God? It is wherever the king is reigning. Wherever Jesus is uh, given reign, there is his kingdom. He was asked in Luke 17, Jesus, how are we gonna know what the kingdom looks like? And he says, you're not gonna be able to observe it. You're not gonna say, oh, there's the kingdom of God. It's right there. He says, the kingdom of God is among you. It is a, a better maybe translation within you. And as we'll see in the book of Acts, it's not just over there. The kingdom of God is wherever Jesus has been given reign as king. And third, when is the kingdom of God? Because Jesus will come someday, right, as king. But isn't he here right now? Like, isn't he king in our lives as well? So is it then or is it now? Both are true. The kingdom of God is already and not yet, which means that we have both a theology of suffering and of healing, of pain and of glory. Because the kingdom of God is already we pray for and believe that God still saves and he heals and he restores and reconciles. God still does perform miracles and is actively working in his church, manifesting his presence and power in and through the lives of his people. It is already. But because the kingdom of God is also not yet, we believe that there will still be pain and suffering and division and evil in this world and that it will be so until Jesus returns. But make no mistake, friends, he will return. He is coming back. And when he comes back, he's gonna establish his kingdom in full on earth as it is in heaven. He will reign then on earth, just like he does in heaven. Right now, Satan's been granted a little bit of authority and influence and power, but there's coming a day when that will be fully stripped away and Jesus will reign over the new heaven and new earth. It's the day when everything will be made right, right? When all the pain and suffering will be gone, when even death will be no more. And that is the day that the disciples find themselves speaking about and wondering about and asking about in our passage in Acts chapter one. Read it again from verse six. Then they gathered around him. I wonder if they were like, hey, dude, do you want to ask him this? And they were like, yes, I want to ask. Okay, let's do it together. And they like, it says they all gathered around him, you know? They all gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? This is what they had in mind. The kingdom to Israel. Like, Jesus, you've been telling us about the kingdom for your entire earthly ministry. Jesus talked about the kingdom more than anything else. And now for the last 40 days, you keep talking about the kingdom. 
Lord, are you going to do it now? Are you coming now? And I get it, man. I, I want that too, <laughs> right? You want that too. We want Jesus to return and establish his kingdom in full, just like it is in heaven. Why? Because everything that comes with him and his kingdom, like we're tired. We're anxious. We're afraid about the future. There's, we're tired of sickness. We're tired of kids getting cancer. We're tired of people being sick and dying. We're tired of division. We want Jesus to come and make all things right. We want the peace in our families and in our hearts and in our community, in our nation. We want peace. And we know when his kingdom comes, okay, all evil will be eradicated. So Lord, we want your kingdom to come. I get it. It's a good question that the disciples asked. Lord, are you gonna bring your kingdom soon? Like now, is that what you're talking about here? But per his usual, Jesus doesn't respond to the question as one might expect. Let's read just these uh, few verses again, verses four through eight. It says, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? To Israel, he said to them, it's not for you to know times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus dies, he's buried, he raises from the dead for 40 days. He talks mostly just about two things, the kingdom of God and the spirit of God. And we can assume that when he did it, he related one to the other because this is what the Old Testament prophets would have done. We see it in places like Isaiah 44, where Isaiah's talking about the coming of the Messiah, the coming king. And right there, as he's talking about the coming king, he says, and God will pour out his spirit on your offspring. There was a connection between God bringing his kingdom and God pouring out his spirit. As theologian John Stott notes, the idea of the Old Testament prophets was that the spirit of God would make the rule of God a living and present reality to his people. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus responds to their question by saying, you will receive power. Dude, I imagine that the disciples were like, Oh, okay, it's going down. Did you hear what he just said? Jesus just said that we're gonna, we are gonna receive power. After all, what do you need to establish and advance a kingdom other than power? And now Jesus is like, I'm about to give you some power. I imagine James and John, they're like, hey dude, remember when we asked if we could sit on his right hand and his left hand in the kingdom? He just said he's giving us power. He's gonna come like a warrior. He's gonna tear down Rome. Oh dude, who do you think he's gonna kill first? And how do you think he's gonna, you think it's gonna be Caesar? Oh my God, right? They're like wondering. And Jesus is like, I'm giving you power. I imagine that they were like, power, of course, power, kingdom, power, kingdom. The disciples figured if the father is pouring out his spirit and the Old Testament prophets have always equated the pouring out of God's spirit with the kingdom coming. And then Jesus just said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the coming of the spirit. Then surely he is ushering in his kingdom when the spirit comes. And they weren't necessarily wrong. Jesus was going to bring his kingdom, but it wasn't gonna look like 
that. The disciples were living under really cruel and oppressive tyranny, right? The religious leaders hated them. They hated Jesus. The Roman government hated them, hated Jesus. They were prepared to do whatever they could to stop, uh, shut down the, the followers of Jesus and the, the advancement of everything that he taught and did. They were prepared to even kill them. They needed the kingdom to come. And God wanted to bring his kingdom, but it wasn't going to look like what they expected. And church, it isn't always going to look like what we expect. We think when God shows up, we're like, oh, finally, now my drama is going to go away. All the problems will be gone. That person will leave. <laughs> you know, like we want everything to be fixed. And we need his kingdom to come. God wants to bring his kingdom, but it's not always going to be like we expect. So let me give us three distinctions from our text of what God's kingdom is and isn't. Number one, the kingdom of God is not offered to some people, but to all people. The disciples assumed that when Jesus was talking about his kingdom, he was talking about Israel and only Israel. Lord, are you at this time, they said, going to restore the kingdom to Israel? But how did Jesus respond? He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. They're like, all right, yeah, Jerusalem, that's Israel. Judea, okay, that's like their region. Samaria, mm, okay, maybe I can get my head around that. And then he says, and to the ends of the earth, Jesus was bringing his kingdom to the people of Israel and it would start in Israel's capital city of Jerusalem, but it wouldn't stop there, it would go to the ends of the earth, to the nations. And it's important to note that it wasn't going, it wasn't that the nations were gonna come to that kingdom. The kingdom was going to go to the nations. Johannes Blau points out in his book, The Missionary Nature of God, that the Old Testament perspective was one of concern for the nations, for sure. Like God loves them and they're all gonna come to Mount Zion. They're gonna come to Israel, but not, of mission to the nations, that, that God's people would go out to the nations. It's not until the New Testament that we see the missiology changing, where instead of people coming to the center, the center goes out to the people. And everything changed after Jesus rose from the dead and he was given universal authority. And he said to us, you go. And he does it here. In Acts 1, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then see the going language and in all of Judea, it's getting bigger, and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The kingdom of God was coming and it was coming for all nations, but it would be brought to the nations. And this is what we will see in living color through the book of Acts. And it was going to be brought through God's people, but a unique kind of people. The second distinction we want to make about the kingdom is that the kingdom of God does not advance through warriors, but through witnesses. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. This is so important for us to note. Jesus wasn't asking them to do anything. He was asking them to witness something. He said, you're gonna be my witnesses. He was asking them to witness something, namely all that he had done and said. 
contrary to what some of them may have thought, the power that was going to be given to them wasn't for the purpose of fighting. It was for the purpose of testifying. And what would be brought, uh, what he was going to bring to the nations wasn't slavery, right? It was salvation. These guys and these women also would have assumed that the uh, origin of the kingdom would be physical in nature. Like all the other kingdoms, you'd be able to see it on a map. There's the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. There's the United Kingdom. There's the kingdom of God. They would have thought that God would establish it in a physical geographical location, that it would be birthed in a physical way. They were hoping that Jesus would come and sit on an earthly throne like the warrior King David had, and that he would finally free them from their physical, like geographical, earthly oppression of Rome. Well, Jesus would advance his kingdom and it would affect all the physical places on the maps, but it would not originate in the physical it would originate in the spiritual and it would not come through a place, but through a people and not a warrior people, but a witnessing people. What did that look like specifically? That's what we're going to see every week as we go through the book of Acts. And the third distinction that we see is this. The kingdom of God is not established through natural, but supernatural power. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Francis Schaeffer, who uh, is one of the, the world's great theologians and writers, especially on the topic of Christian mission, he was at a conference one time and he was asked this question, uh, Francis Schaeffer, what? What do you see as the greatest obstacle for the modern church? What is surprising about his answer was what he didn't say. He didn't say that the greatest obstacle for the modern church was secularism or pagan religions or materialism or consumerism in the church. He didn't say it was politics. He didn't say it was even compromise. He didn't say it was a lack of money or resources or even the shrinking boldness and presence of Christians in the public square. Francis Schaeffer, what is the greatest obstacle for the modern church? Here was his answer. The real problem is this. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ individually or corporately tending to the Lord's work in the power of the flesh rather than the spirit. The central problem is always in the midst of the people of God, not in the circumstances surrounding them. If we do not want to waste our lives, then we must understand the importance of having a humble, quiet heart and the power of the Holy Spirit. The greatest obstacle and hindrance for the modern church is ministry in the flesh. If you don't know what that means, when the Bible talks about the flesh, it's often referring to a person living outside of God's purpose and outside of God's power. A person living outside of the purpose of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. That, Francis Schaeffer says, is the biggest problem in the modern church. Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? Because Lord, we need your kingdom. We need you to establish it 
here and, and, and right now, right here in 2021, like, Lord, we need you. Our world is hurting. Our world is suffering. My world is suffering. Our worlds are suffering. Our families might be struggling. You might be having a crisis of faith. Lord, we need you. There's division all around. I'm scared about the future. Lord, we need your kingdom to come. We feel it now. We feel it right now. And they felt it then. And Jesus says, you do need my kingdom. And this is how it comes. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. There's a long list of things that I pray for and wait for that I assume will be the answer to the kingdom coming, right? And not to mention the answer to all my problems. But that, what I just read, is not usually at the top of my list, We do desperately need the kingdom to come, but we need to recognize here that Jesus was not diverting attention away from their question about the kingdom. He was answering it explicitly. When will the kingdom come, Jesus? How will it come? Who will it come to? What will it look like? Jesus telling his disciples that they would receive power was his response to their question about the kingdom. As John Stott Notes, the exercise of power is inherent in the concept of a kingdom. The power of God's kingdom, though, is different from power in human kingdoms. The reference here to the Holy Spirit defines its nature. It defines the nature of what kind of kingdom this is. Jesus was bringing his kingdom, but it wouldn't come by the power and authority of an earthly throne, but by the power and authority of his Holy Spirit in and through his people. That is how God's kingdom comes on earth. Until the day he returns, this is how it comes. And we see this played out in the life of Jesus, right? All the time. You look at the gospels and you're like, oh my gosh, he's healing. He's doing this. Every time he saves someone, every time he forgave someone, every time he loves someone, every time he casts out a demon, every time he heals someone, we're like, whoa, the kingdom of God. But what does that look like in the lives of his followers? That's what we see in the book of Acts. Every single chapter in the book of Acts is a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Church, this is the premise for the entire book of Acts, and it is the premise for God's kingdom coming in and through our lives. Jesus will someday bring his physical kingdom, and it will be glorious. But while we are here in the the not yet part, right? The kingdom is already and it's not yet. While we are here in the not yet, God wants to manifest his kingdom in and through our lives. The first verse of this book starts by saying, Luke, he's like, I wrote another book where Jesus began, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and say. We need to know that that was the beginning, Jesus began to do it, and he is still doing it. King Jesus is still moving. He's still bringing his kingdom. But listen, guys, he wants to do it through you. You. I don't care how old or young you are, how long you've known Jesus, how much, how long you haven't known him, whatever. I, I don't care. Jesus wants to bring his kingdom through you. But, dude, I can't. Me, bro? You don't know my life. You don't know me. No, I don't know you, but I know the, the disciples. I know the apostles. They didn't have any experience. They didn't have any training. They were kind of idiots. 
They fumbled over their words all the time. They didn't have boldness. They were afraid of stuff. Sounds like me, bro. Sounds like you. That's the kind of people that God brings his kingdom through because it is not contingent on my stuff, my experience, my training, my ability. I have no power. That's why they said, that's why Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait. Don't try to do this until the spirit comes. Or when he comes, you will receive all the power. And you know what happened? Oh, they weren't afraid anymore. They were bold. They were preaching. They were fumbling over words. The Holy Spirit came and everything was happening in and through them. Listen, guys, we find ourselves in the middle of a pretty crazy season. It's pretty like amazing, I think, that we're starting this series right now. And we've been planning it for two and a half years. We didn't like say, ooh, coronavirus, let's start kingdom come. Like this has been, I were just sticking with the pattern, just like sticking with the plan. And here we are, I think it's, uh, interesting that we find ourselves where we find ourselves, man. I, I don't know if we've ever been in a more politically tense uh, time in at least in decades. We're in the middle of a crazy season. The world needs Jesus. My world needs Jesus. Your world needs Jesus. I asked it earlier, what would Ventura County look like if Jesus was king? Let me be a little bit more specific. What would your neighborhood look like? if Jesus were king. Like your actual neighbors and their families and those individuals. What, what would your school look like if Jesus were the king in that place? What would your company look like that you help run or that you work at? What would your workplace look like if Jesus were king in that place? What would our relationships look like? The romantic ones, the friendships, the marriages. What would it look like if Jesus was the king in that relationship? And what would our families look like if Jesus were king? It would look like the kingdom of God manifesting, right? In our lives, it would look like the kingdom of God. That's what we need. It's what Jesus wants. It's what he told us to pray for when he said, pray, Father, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And what can we do to participate in that coming? The direction from Jesus, the answer to that question is super clear. Luke repeats it just to emphasize it. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You've heard, don't try this at home. Jesus is saying, don't try this alone. Do not go anywhere until you receive the Holy Spirit. And we need to know that Jesus is not asking us to do anything but to receive. He's not asking us to do. He's asking us to receive, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll end with this. The first people to believe that Jesus rose from the dead were just 11 dudes and a few women, under 20 people. But within three centuries, the church grew to over 30 million people, half of the Roman empire. 
People were being saved. Relational reconciliation was happening. Racial reconciliation was happening. Physical healings were normal. People were being raised from the dead. Joy was abounding, even though Christians are being killed all the time. It was the kingdom of God manifesting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. God was bringing his kingdom and he was doing it through his people. But how? It was by the power of his Holy Spirit All of it began when they received the Holy Spirit. And we today need the power of God's Spirit. First and foremost, do not read the rest of the book of Acts without getting this. And do not attempt to do anything in the kingdom of God if you do not get this. So in just a minute, I'm just gonna pray a prayer with us, guys. It's gonna be very simple, but it's a prayer where we're just asking God to fill us and we are recognizing our desperate need for his spirit, okay? The Bible says like, spirit comes upon you. He fills you up. Here's what I know. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit when he said that. The Bible says, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. The best way I know to, to, to do that is to ask him because Jesus said, ask. And so we're gonna ask, Lord, would you fill us? Maybe you've been living a long time as a Christian. You're like, dude, I don't ever feel like I have power. I feel powerless. You feel like the Flintstones where you don't have an engine in your car and you got your feet at the bottom and you're just, right? You're just like doing it all in your own strength. We cannot do God's work with our power. Jesus says, I gave you an engine, sweetheart. I gave you an engine, son. And I wanna keep it continually filled. I wanna give you everything you need, but we need to live in this surrender place where we're like, yeah, God, I don't wanna try to do it in my own power. And maybe some of us today just need to repent of that and be like, gosh, Lord, I've been trying to do your work in my power. I don't want to anymore. But also I just wanna let you know that if there's somebody here today who you're like, yeah, dude, I'm outside of the kingdom of God. I don't know if that's for me. You need to know today that the kingdom of God is not just for some, offered to some people, it is offered to all people. And today God offers you salvation and acceptance and you coming into his kingdom and into his kingdom family. That is why Jesus died on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven and you could be brought in to his kingdom family. And today you could say a really easy prayer. You could say, gosh, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know that I, I need you to save me, Jesus. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead to save me. Please forgive me and bring me into your family. And he will. Would you pray with me now? And if you, you're one of a couple people, you're like, that's me, dude. I, I need salvation. I need the Lord. Then just in front of you, just put out your hands in front of you as if you were like gonna receive something. Secondly, if you're like, man, I, I need the power of the spirit in my life. By the way, this is, this is me. This is an ongoing every single day thing where I'm like, gosh, I need the Lord. And if you once again, just wanna like surrender to him and say, Lord, I need you. I wanna, I wanna see your kingdom come through my life. I need you. Or maybe third, if you're like, wow, I think I've been living for a long time without the power of the Spirit. I am like that Flintstone dude, just like not even using the, the engine that God wants to give me, if you will. Then why don't you just put out your hands in front of you as if you were surrendering and receiving. If you're any one of those three people, let's just put out our hands in front of us as if we were simultaneously letting go 
of all the stuff that we've tried to do in our own strength and we were receiving also from the Lord. If you're that first person, just say something like this. Lord, I know that I've, I've sinned and I've messed up. I know that's separated me from you. I wanna be with you. So I ask that you would take away my sin and bring me into a relationship with you. For all of us, that first person, the second person, the third person, just in your quietness of your own heart, just repeat something like this. Just say, Lord, I don't want to do anything in my life in my own strength. I want to see your kingdom come in and through my life. I don't want to attempt for that to happen in my own strength. I need the power of your spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Come into my life. Fill me afresh. Fall upon me. Empower me. Give me every single gift that I need to partner with you, bringing your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Give me every gift. Give me all the wisdom. Give me the right perspective. Open up the right doors. Give me the right heart posture. Fill me now. Holy Spirit, fill me up. I want to follow the path of Jesus. I want to do it for the good of everyone around me and for the glory of his name. If you need prayer today, there's prayer teams on the right and the left. These people are specifically chosen to be able to pray for you. If you've got something going on in your life, anything, a relational thing, a new job opportunity, something you need wisdom about, you're struggling in some way, you have sin you need to confess, these people are there. They're wearing green shirts or a lanyard that says prayer team. They would love to pray for you. To my right and left, there's big signs that say prayer team. Either way, let's worship him now.